Hi, I'm Max there. I'm the founder of QuickWick, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host. It's Paul Kemp. I am thrilled to be uh, introducing a guest today who is going to help us think about one of the most important things we need to think about as app entrepreneurs, and that is how to measure our customer loyalty. We need these users to come back and use these apps more than just once. And we're going to get some help from the CTO and co-founder of a website that you really need to check out. It's promoter.io. And uh, the CTO co-founder is uh, Ricardo Reina, and he's here to talk to us about uh, how he thinks about customer loyalty. So Ricardo, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tell us about Promoter.io and how you're helping measure customer loyalty. Right. So essentially, Promoter is a self-service customer loyalty platform um, that implements the methodology um, around Net Promoter Score. Um, and so for you know your listeners who may not be familiar with Net Promoter Score, it's um abbreviation of, of NPS. Um, it's a very simple survey that asks, how likely are you to recommend um, my service product company to a friend or family member on a scale from zero to 10? You've likely received the survey before many times from um, you know um, everyday companies like Apple, um, Southwest Airlines, um, big banks, stuff like that. And then after answering, you're asked a follow-on question, which is, why did you give us that score? Um, and uh, you can provide open feedback. And um, the, the real magic behind um, the um, score and the feedback is closing the loop, following up with your customers um, on, a, on a very personal basis um, and being able to encourage your promoters, who are the people that give you a 9 or 10, um, thank them for their loyalty, and then really try to work with the passives, who are the people that are give you a seven, seven or eight, and the detractors, who are the people that give you a zero to six. And the detractors are the most dangerous ones. They're the people that are really um, looking for any reason to leave you at any given moment. And so what we've done with Promoter is kind of taking this methodology and implemented it as a platform so that entrepreneurs, small business and mid-sized businesses can um, use the product to um, not only measure their loyalty, but really stop churn in its tracks before um, it really happens. So that's great, Ricardo. And I think we're going to get a lot more into what the platform can do. I'd love to know how you actually came up with this what, what you know how did you end up with a working uh, platform has it taken you a lot of time effort money perhaps you can walk through the early stages of you actually getting this off the ground absolutely um so um promoter started by myself and my co-founder chad who's the ceo of the company and um it came out of us working at previous companies where we implemented net promoter score um, for them, um, but by using other tools, you know, so by using um, SurveyMonkey, sending out surveys, kind of aggregating the responses, putting them in an Excel spreadsheet, and then 
um, having conversations with the respondees um, through email and kind of doing a lot of stuff in Excel and just kind of piecemealing a whole bunch of tools together. And so um, out of this process is where we realize, hey, you know, this, there's a good opportunity in this space to kind of really implement a, a, a platform that's kind of easier to use. And that's not to say that there wasn't already services that were providing this, but they're very cost prohibitive for the everyday entrepreneur or, or, or startup type of company. Um, before us, there are kind of the, these bigger companies that um, or consulting groups that would offer this type of service for, you know, kind of a really um, extreme type of annual cost of like, you know, anywhere from like 5000 to 50000 to to $100,000. And so what we did is kind of automate a lot of the back office processes and stuff like that and made it very affordable for your everyday entrepreneur. This is what I want the Appster Tribe audience listening to this right now to have a really good think about, which is there's problems all around us and it's, it's ripe for disruption. So as you were explaining, you know, the processes there, it just seemed very logical to, to actually tackle that and make it a lot easier. And that's what you did. So there must have been a point there, Ricardo, where you ended up leaving your uh, safety net of the of the job that you were in to, to right. go and start this. Talk us through that because that's that's the big hurdle that I, I feel that a lot of people struggle to get over. Right, right. Well, you know, luckily in in our day and age, um, you know, creating a startup or a small business is a lot easier than it used to. But like you mentioned, there's still a lot of hurdles and and self sacrifice that's involved in it. Um, we um, essentially bootstrapped promoter ourselves for the first you know, um, six months to a year. Um, uh, we worked on promoter kind of as a part time at nights, um, after our nine to five and stuff like that. And then, um, once we got the beta version of promoter out is when we kind of, um, started engaging some investors and, and open some dialogue, um, with them just so that we could bring on a team to kind of expand some of the capabilities that we really wanted to develop. But the original version of Promoter is very similar to what's available today. Um, and uh, we did a lot of that ourselves. Well, that's really inspirational. And I have to say that, that there must have been some like catalyst for you after one year working on this part-time to say, that's it, we're, we're now, we feel we're confident this will work. Was, was it a certain benchmark of how much money you were making with it or a certain kind of level of growth? Well, you know, how did you actually end up making that decision to to go for it? Yeah, well, you know, in early stages in in, um, in a company, you know, um, product viability is kind of really important, and and I, this is what I would encourage um, other entrepreneurs and and um, you know startup founders to 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 do. It's something that I encu also encourage other startups that I advise as well, which is you know um, measure your market from from day one. And, um, you know, that means, um, you know, for us, what that meant was implementing the platform in a very manual process. So before we the platform existed, um, we had paying clients that we were implementing NPS for, but we were doing the manual tasks that I described a couple minutes earlier. Right. And so because of the fact that we're able to gain, to gain clientele by those means, we were able to establish the fact that there was some viability behind the idea. 
And the more and more that we kind of kept growing and the more and more that we talked to um, mentors and investors and advisors, um, the more that we kind of understood that this product would would kind of do well. And um, really, um, it was at that point that we felt that we could make um, the sacrifice to kind of work on this full time. Yeah, and I feel like uh, what I'm learning from you here is that it's important to talk to stakeholders potentially in the in the company not just customers but potential investors pitch the idea get their feedback uh, potential uh, advisors and and also mentors i think that we don't often talk a lot about mentors but do you have any suggestions on where to go to to have these mentors that could help you you know with these tough decisions of when to actually go for it yeah absolutely i mean the ideal case for any entrepreneur or or startup founder is to really find a company that you admire, that you want your startup or your small business to be in the next five, in the next 10 years, right? And if you're able to have a relationship with a company that's of the similar style, that has a similar business model, that tackled a lot of the same issues that you think you're going to have to tackle, then that's going to be the ideal um um, mentor type of relationship. Uh, you know, luckily Chad and I had been in the startup space for a while. Um, we'd both worked at, at startups previously. And so we had some con- some contacts that we could um, leverage and some mentor relationships that we could leverage. But for the first time, entrepreneurs, you know, um, a good way to gain mentorship is to kind of get involved with the startup community. Um, go to talks, go to meetups, stuff like that. Um, I talk at panels all the time, and um, most you'll find that most uh, entrepreneurs are very open and very willing to help. You know, I give my business card to um, anyone and everyone, and you know, I think most people are willing to help you out. And I think that's really important to remember because, again, there's a lot of people passively listening to this without taking that much action but it's not until you totally insert yourself into this whole community of you know like-minded entrepreneurs that you realize that uh, people are not out to screw you in a way they're not out to you know make money off you they're actually it's a very rewarding community that where people genuinely just want to give back because everyone knows how tough it is you know in the startup world to to actually make it and so everyone needs a bit of support Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. There's um, one of our mentors and advisors is uh, Lucas Carlson, um, who um, has written a lot um, about kind of um, startup founder psychology and stuff like that. And a lot of things that um, he says resonated uh, resonate with me um, on a very personal level about, you know, doing a startup, you can't you know, you can do it for the money, but I really wouldn't suggest to do it for the money. You really need to do it for the craft um, itself. Um, being a startup founder is like being a craftsman, and um, it's a trades and, and skill set that is very unique, and you really have to love um, doing it or you're not going to really enjoy the day-to-day um, activity of it. And so if you have the right personality type and um, you're an entrepreneur, then you take your startup very seriously. I think you'll find yourself finding these communities very naturally in a very organic way. And by just kind of evaluating and talking and listening to people, you'll find mentors a lot easier than you'd otherwise think it would be. 
Ricardo, I'm very tempted to ask you what a typical day is because you do sound like, I guess there isn't not a typical day, but anyone who's listening to this from the outside would love to know or have a, have a taste of what it's like. And I, Could you give us a flavor of what a typical day is like for you? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I would kind of spit, um, split up our responsibilities between Chad and I in product engineering, sales and marketing, where um, he really takes care of more of the sales and marketing side and I do more of the product and engineering type of side. Um, and so for me, um, you know, my day um, it revolves around my engineering team and my um, development team um, kind of uh, working out features that we're building on currently and also talking to customers that um, we have right now making sure that their campaigns are going smoothly and, and stuff like that um, we also always have um, a set of beta customers that are presently beta testing um, future features that we're going to release in the few in in a couple months or so and do you release some some of those features in a beta list or uh, have you got any other suggestions on how to to release these beta features? That uh, do you use beta list or be, sorry beta list? I don't know <laughs> the American way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, um, we actually I, I don't use a beta list um, in particular, but um, you know usually what, what we have is um, I forgot the the name of the company that we use we use our product but it's on our site and it allows users to um, submit ideas to us and so we get our feature list from that and then we also kind of already have our planned roadmap um, and so we take the customers that have really kind of spoken out through our kind of idea list or through sending in you know support tickets um, that have really spoken out about um, features and we kind of keep on following up with them and then when we say okay well this feature is about to roll out in a couple months you mind giving it a try you know you most of the time they're more than willing to participate because it's usually something that they really want um, from the product um, and we usually only test one to two features out at any given time in that particular manner um, right now for us it's it's our api we it's one of our the biggest feature requests that we have and we have um, five to six companies testing out um, different use cases of the API so that we can design it in the way that's the most appropriate. R Ricardo, this is really interesting. I don't feel like we've had any discussion in 270-odd episodes about uh, this uh, feature where you can request features on your website. What I'll do is I'll take the link from you and I'll put it on your show notes. So anyone listening who wants access to that, that goes to uh, episode 275 with Ricardo Reyna and, and your search uh, for, for the link to this thing we're talking about. But what, as far as I understand it, then you get direct requests about features from people using your uh, products and services and that, and that comes through to you. And then you, you, uh, you have discussions with these people and then try out certain features to a, a very limited group. Is, is that right? Yeah, that's basically it. And uh, I remember the name of the product now. It's a product that you oh, don't say it. Don't say it because people okay. won't go to the website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, essentially they can also upvote, you know, so after someone makes a feature request, you know, other users will upvote. And, you know, it's a good way to see them like, wow, you know, we have some customers that really want this particular feature. Maybe we should kind of accelerate that one instead of 
you know, doing something else. So, well, we'll call that the mystery tool that people have to go to the website to find out. That's what we like to do is try to, you know, get people uh, taking action, which is always very hard. Uh, and uh, what I think uh, for any app entrepreneur, it seems like we could make use of this feature, not only, you know, for big platforms like your offering, but also uh, as an app entrepreneur, you could put on your app website, uh, future requests and features and, and, and just get a lot more action and uh, orientation. Maybe, uh, I wonder if they have um, some inbuilt app feature as well, possibly. Yeah, you know, and this is kind of, um, you know, earlier when I was talking about product viability, it's kind of, you know, that is a um, a whole part of startups in of itself, you know, and people actually use our product for that purpose. We um, had a startup, um, I forget their name, but uh, they approached us and they said, you know, we're building this product right now and um, we've kind of released the initial iteration and we have a controlled set of users and we, gotta, we want to get some feedback from them and we want to do it through NPS. They sent out the survey. They only sent out, you know, maybe 200 of them. And shortly thereafter, they called us and they said, oh, we need to cancel. And we were like, what happened? You know, we, you guys are really excited about NPS. And, you know, they simply said, well, we got a negative score. We found out that the product isn't viable, so we're going to pivot. We loved your service, but we'll come back later and use it. And so you can use NPS for product viability as well. But um, something I also tell people all the time, before you even have the product built on your landing page, it's a good place to get feedback from your users. And that's kind of what you were just describing right now. Um, on your marketing site, just kind of, you know, put a questionnaire out there, get some get some uh, information from your users and start performing customer interviews on your potential customers before they actually become customers. This is imperative. I feel like this is what, one of the most valuable pieces of advice that you can give anyone listening to this because I have so many app entrepreneurs that come up and they, they've spent twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 building this app without any interaction with any potential customer apart from maybe their, their friends and family. Uh, yeah. I feel that, that, you know, really this is absolutely essential to listen to this guidance and start speaking with people who are actually going to be your customers because that 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 is invaluable and will perhaps like your startup company you were talking about, encourage you to pivot away from your original idea. Absolutely. I think it's it happens more more often than not that, you know, app entrepreneurs want to solve a problem that's important to them um, instead of solving a problem that's important to their potential customers. So it's always good to remember that. Well, there's uh, two things we need to do before we say goodbye, Ricardo. One is that uh, we do like to try and flesh out new ideas. Uh, there's a lot of markets that need disruption. And as entrepreneurs, we always have these ideas floating around. Are, are there any particular ideas at this stage um, that you'd be able to share with us that, you know, maybe you've had some kind of, uh, you know, aha moment and you think that would be good to, to build. It can be an app, it could be a platform, but any anything that you feel that the audience can go ahead and build any ideas? Well, you know, that's, that's interesting. I feel... Yeah. I know, and you're, you're probably conflicted because you've got like a really good idea, but you don't want to give it well, away. No, I mean, I, I have t tons of ideas and, you know, it's almost daily that I'm like, oh man, I wish there was an app for that. Um, but, you know, kind of instead of saying anything um, specifically, um, I think in our day and age that spe specifically around Web 2.0, there's um, too many companies that are trying to replace... Um, 
labor trying to replace humans, you know, trying to automate this and automate that, right? I think a big key for a lot of um, future um, products and services is to build products that complement human skill. There's a lot of things that humans are great at that machines aren't and vice versa, right? And it's going to be really finding that sweet spot, right? And so when you're looking at tackling a, pro uh, a problem that you think a product or a service can 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 help with, um, I, I think it's important to remember that perspective. I think if you look at a lot of the most successful products and companies that are out there right now or that are on their way of coming up, gaining popularity, you'll see that they found that exact niche. Um, they found a way, a product or service that basically makes, um, uh, makes the human interaction a little bit better. Yeah, and I could absolutely vouch for that. I remember when I first started using uh, Twitter and uh, I used to take these RSS feeds from uh, news sources and just automate. Uh, and then I had some automated software as well that would, uh, you know, like send a, a DM to, to people. And I didn't really have that much activity on. And, and, just, and I've completely changed. And now I use human intuitive curation. And, yeah. and actually, you know, I've just reached a, a million plus mentions uh, for the month of March. And I, I feel like that, that's an example of where humans can just add much more value than, than robots and uh, com computers and machines. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as in the, in the coming years, our, our conversations about, you know, AI and stuff like that are going to, um, are going to um, evolve a lot. Well, the last thing then uh, is going to be, we can't let you go without asking you what's on your phone. Like if there's one or two apps that uh, you tend to use, maybe you can grab your phone if it's nearby, hopefully it is, and uh, give us one or two app recommendations, maybe one or two apps that you feel that we haven't come across uh, before. Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I am a big app guy. I was, um, Good. Uh, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> so we can. Uh, we can. As a big iOS developer for um, a long time, and so you know, one that you probably already heard of right now that's blowing up right now is Slack. I use that daily. Um, one of our clients has an app. Um, their services is getting a lot of popularity, which is automatic investing. Um, they're called Betterment, um, an app that we use for um, product management and project management is called Flow. I think that app is um, beautiful on both iOS and on desktop. Um, and then finally, I, I want to mention some tools that we use because those are probably what um, your listeners are most likely never heard of. Um, Opbeat has a beautiful app, and that's kind of around DevOps and like server um, server status and stuff like that. They kind of um, report to us when there's been an exception on our app. Um, and let me see. A fun one, games. I'm a big game user. Mr. Jump just got released recently and I'm addicted to that game. So I'll leave you with that. <laughs> you know, that is wonderful. I feel like we could have almost a dedicated episode with you, Ricardo, on all your apps on your phone. <laughs> have you gone for the uh, big, uh, have you got an iPhone, is it, or an Android? Uh, an iPhone, yeah. Yeah, have you gone for the 128 gigabyte by any chance? No, but I, I'm, like, I'm on 64. Yeah. 
Yeah, so anyone who's thinking about getting a phone, just go for the biggest memory. I'm telling you, you will use it nowadays. It's, Absolutely, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, good. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Do you feel like uh, we missed out anything about promoter.io? Uh, is there anything else you need to mention about your service? Uh, obviously, we'd love to know how to get a hold of you and, and, and get in touch. Yeah, so, um, you know, um, you can reach out to me by email or by Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is Rick Reyna and my email is Ricardo at Promoter.io. Um, you know, the thing that I would try to remind a lot of um, your users that are app entrepreneurs is remember how important churn is and um, just remember how important um, customer loyalty is. Um, you can gain a lot of users and your churn rate can still be very high, which can be very detrimental to the longevity of your business. If users are coming to your app, um, signing up, giving the credit card, and then, you know, immediately leaving, um, that's a problem. So, you know, sustained growth is, is a hard thing to do. And so, you know, you have to keep that in the back of your head. And I think NPS is, is the best way to do it. On, on average, when people survey their, their users, um, the industry average is around 4%. And the reason why the response rate is so low is because of the fact that a lot of companies try to overcomplicate um, the process of gathering feedback from their users, right? Our response rate, in contrast, is around 40%, right? And that's because the psychology, the marketing, the thinking behind of building a survey has already been done. You know, we've we've kind of realized what works and what doesn't work. And so by um, implementing MPS and just uh, believing in, in the system, you'll be surprised in the results that you that you get. Well, that is uh, wonderful. So, yeah, I definitely sh should think people can either go to promoter.io or if there's any links that you uh, need to go and uh, check out, then just go to the appguy.co episode 275. Uh, with Ricardo Reyna. So thank you very much for being such an inspirational guest, Ricardo. It's just great to hear you chat about your typical day and uh, and the, the fact that you're building a business and that you took a year out to do it part-time and then you left. And it's just, it's a wonderful story. Thank you so much for joining us on the App Guy podcast and on all the best for the future. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.